we're going to the chapel and we're going to get married. Obviously, my topic today involves various aspects of marriage. I'll be dealing with the transitions in marriage from courtship or dating through marital relationships during the senior years. And uh, it's hard to believe, but I'm in that senior years group. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm as old as I am, but I am. Anyway, what you're about to hear is not scientific research about marital relationships from Dr. Chelsea or even Dr. Phil. I am speaking to you this morning from over 49 years of marriage to the same woman. I married Sherry Wynn on September the 7th, 1968, and we recently celebrated our 49th wedding anniversary. Thank you. We have three children, Ginger Dobbs, Randall Curtis Daniels, known around here as Brother Kurt, and Angela Zach. We also have six grandchildren ranging in ages from 12 to 28 years. Uh, three of my grandchildren, Mallory, Olivia, and Hunter Daniels, are members of the Apostolic Church of Salem. So we will be talking about the seasons of marriage. Our, my discussion today will focus on changes in marital relationships that evolve over time. I will attempt to correlate and draw an analogy among the natural four seasons, spring, or, yeah, spring, summer, fall, and winter. To the changes in our marriage relationship over the past nearly half century. So we'll begin with the spring season, of course. The sun is shining, birds are singing, the ice is melting. Yes, spring is in the air. Trees are leafing out, the grass and flowers are emerging from the soil as new life springs forth after an extended cold season. So it is with the young man and woman who have dated <clears throat> for months or even years waiting anxiously for their wedding day. Excitement and great anticipation of their new lives together fill their every thought. You still remember that, don't you, Brother Pate? All right, okay. Just as new life emerges in springtime, so our marriage began a new journey into the unknown, commonly referred to as married life. Sherry and I met in February 1968 and were married in September of that same year. I still remember how we fought to spend every moment together prior to our wedding. I live south of Iuka and Sherry's home was in Carterville, Illinois, which is about 70 miles southwest of here. So, after attending Sunday night service at the Apostolic Church in Carbondale, Sherry and I would go to her home in Carterville, where we usually were up to about 2 a.m. or after. I would then sleep in her basement with the mice and would be up at, at 5.30 a.m. and drive to Centralia to begin work on Monday morning at 7.30 a.m. I'm sure many of you can relate similar stories in which you sacrificed many hours of sleep to be with the one you love. Recalling how crazy we were <clears throat> for each other back then reminds me of a story of two brothers discussing their marriage plans. One brother says to the other, I have half a mind to get married, to which the other replied, that's all you need, brother, that's all you need. <laughs> Seriously, I will never forget my thoughts as we drove away from the church on our wedding night. 
as I looked at Sherry sitting beside me in my 1959 Chevrolet Bel Air, my thoughts were, no, Jared, not dude. <laughs> my thoughts were, seriously, now she is mine forever. Ephesians 5 and 33 states, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. In summarizing the spring season of marriage, it is a time of new beginnings. Passion and desire for each other is at its peak as love and romance fills the air. The newlyweds are inseparable as they begin life's journey together. Families and careers are taking shape as children begin to appear in the home and spouses begin to settle into their life's work. Now let's look at the summer season of marriage. As the spring season changes to summer, the trees are fully decked out with leaves, flowers are in full bloom, crops and gardens are growing rapidly. This is the season when things begin to speed up as the temperature outdoor also begins to rise rapidly. So it is with the couples in the summer season of marriage. I'm arbitrarily designating ages 36 to age 50 to spouses in this summer season. By these ages, couples have already, by these ages, couples already have families with children, careers are well underway, and those individuals are fully engulfed in pursuing the American dream. By my 36th year, we already had three children. Our oldest at that time was 14 and my agrochemical sales career was well established. I had already spent six years with DuPont Company in Burlington, Iowa, and seven years with Brayton Chemicals here in Salem, Illinois. During my first six years with DuPont Agrochemicals, my job required me to travel, and I was away from my family as much as two to three nights per week on a regular basis. My two oldest children My two oldest children grew up so quickly during those first years of my career that I barely remember them as infants and very young children because I was too focused in advancing my sales career to pay them much attention. The message in my revelation here is to slow down and smell the roses. Spend as much time with your spouse and children as possible during the summer years of your marriage. In summary, the summer season of marriage is a segment of years when couples are totally immersed in the, in the cares and affairs of daily living. Time passes quickly as parents rush to Little League baseball games, soccer games, pursue their hobbies, school activities, etc., these summer years of marriage are some of the, your best years. You are both in your physical prime of life and are living it to the fullest. The danger in being overloaded with the aforementioned outside activities is that the close bond between husband and wife may suffer. I speak from experience as I urge you to cultivate your relationship with your mate during the summer season of intense activity involving children, careers, 
and other distractions of life. Let us turn our attention now to the autumn season of marriage, which I will arbitrarily assign to marriage between the ages of 51 through 65. Again, this is not scientific research. It's just my own experience, and I'm just going to assign these numbers. <laughs> the lovely fall season arrives when the, when the air is frequently clear and crisp as temperatures fall. Beautifully painted leaves are falling, and frost is on the pumpkin. Hay rides and bonfires to warm from the chilly nights are frequently couples' events. Just as frost is on the pumpkin, so the frost appears on the heads of couples during this fall season of marriage. The hair is graying, or already gray, and possibly a lot has already gone from the husband's head. Most likely the children are gone from home, leaving the autumn couple with an empty nest. Nights that were warm during the summer season become chilly, maybe even frosty. Similar conditions may evolve in the marriage during the autumn season of marriage. Stress from the empty nest syndrome, unexpected deterioration of a spouse's health, changes in spouse's physical appearance, financial concerns about retirement and overall family difficulties, especially their children's life struggles, may greatly aggravate the close bond the couple experienced during spring and summer seasons of their marriage. The couple who was once so close can find this marital relationship chilled under extreme pressure from external and internal forces to the extent that their bond is stretched or maybe even broken. Matthew 6 and 33 tells us, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, all these things, even a rekindling of the passion of the, in your marriage during the autumn season after the relationship has grown cold and distant. So to summarize the fall season of marriage, this, the autumn season of marriage is a time when often the marital relationship experiences a cooling off period. The desire and passion for each other may be noticeably less than during the spring and summer seasons. Many couples in this fall season of marriage have already been together for 30 and maybe even 45 years. Such long tenures together often lead to familiarity and taking each other for granted. Remember the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. One should guard against taking his spouse for granted. And remember what Brother Kelly told us in his sermon entitled, I Still Do. Brother Kyle reminded us that our spouse is a child of God, and God is very protective over his children. Your spouse remains the most important human being in your life. 1 Peter 3 and 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. 
We'll turn our attention now to the final season of marriage that I'm discussing today, which is the winter season. For our discussion today, individuals over 65 years of age make up the marriage experiencing the winter season of marriage. These folks are seasoned citizens who have already seen a lot of winters with cold, snowy days and sub-zero nights. They have already experienced the warm springs, the sizzling summers, and frosty fall season in their marriages. As we consider the winter, as we consider the winter season, we visualize snow-covered fields, icy roads, and long icicles hanging off the roofs of houses. This scenario speaks of bone-chilling cold, especially to us seasoned citizens. We make every attempt to stay warm. Woolen clothing, hot fireplaces, hot chocolate, and staying indoors becomes the norm. The desire and physical need to stay warm is uppermost in our thoughts. Even though the winter season of marriage clouds our thoughts with images of coldness, this is an opportunity for spouses to unite to create warmth and drive out the chill in their relationships. Ecclesiastics 4, 10, and 11 tells us, For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? In the winter season of marriage, warmth is often generated in ways other than intimate physical contact. Just being together and sharing memories of their many great years of marriage, watching their children, grandchildren, even great-grandchildren mature and progress in life warms their hearts. Remember, just being and doing things together are extremely important to senior spouses. Your life passes so very quickly, as you will realize, when you arrive at the fall and winter seasons of your marriage. You know, I feel like I'm 39, but I'm actually 69. Something happened. Something happened, and it just, I don't know what happened. Anyway, James 4 and 14 states, For as you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. You younger people in the spring and the summer seasons of your life don't realize this. But when you get to the fall and the winter seasons, you notice how fast time passes. And how, you know, you need to redeem the time. I urge you to redeem the time God has allowed you and to cultivate your relationship with your spouse, whether you are in the spring, summer, fall, or winter season of your marriage. I close with this final thought from Proverbs 18 and 22. I'm only going to have one closing. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Thank you, and God bless your marriages. Thank you very much, Brother Daniels. That was fantastic. It's great. I appreciate all those words he had to say. And uh, you find, as you get older yourself, we're all getting older, unfortunately, but you find some of those things 
as you look at transitions and realize the passing of time. And uh, thank you for those words of encouragement and advice and uh, reality as well. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a few people this morning that have um, uh, been suckered into or willingly uh, accepted to be a part of our panel this morning, and I'm thankful for all of those. And we have a variety of, of the seasons mentioned uh, that Brother Daniel's mentioned represented here this morning. So if those couples would make their way up here, and um, we're, we're just glad we've got, uh, we've got was, it, was it Randall and Amy coming up here this morning? We've got Carl and Cindy coming up. We have Rhonda and Jonathan coming up, and we have uh, Becky and David Wilmoth coming up. If they, you just come on up here and grab a seat. Let's welcome them as they come up here. All right. I want to thank all these couples. Uh, I asked some of them. I just asked the spouse and told them they could tell their spouse. Didn't ask them together, but glad that, that you guys have uh, at least come up here this morning. Uh, and as we get started here, uh, I think this is very important to understand. Uh, I'm not going to talk real long, but um, if you look at statistics, and statistics don't tell the entire story because there's there's other things behind it. Um, but the, the divorce rate in the U.S. is actually dropping, especially amongst the younger age group. Again, one of the reasons for this is because marriage is becoming less prevalent as well. But there's one group in particular that from the early 1990s has more than doubled in its divorce rate. Surprisingly enough, it's those that are 50 and older. The group that is 50 and older starting that fall-winter season is the highest divorce rate. Well, not the highest. It's, it's the largest increase, over 100% increase from the early 90s. And so, thinking about that, uh, we, what we want to really look at today is uh, we talk about it in our faith, how do we get to the finish line in our faith, but how do we make it all the way through in our marriages as well through every season. Uh, one, of the, one of the issues, and I, I believe Brother Daniels mentioned it as well, that this is becoming an issue is because marriage used to be roughly a 40, 45-year commitment and then you'd start thinking about, um, well, this might be about it. But people are living a lot longer. And now when you make a commitment in your 20s, you could possibly be making a 60 to 70-year commitment with one person. That's a big difference. And a lot of people find that in that fall season when they begin to um, retire, have a little bit more time, uh, they realize that they're going to retire and they might have two decades or more of life left. Uh, and, and they decide they want to do something different than just be with that same person, unfortunately. Uh, that's not true of anybody up here. They, they're happily married uh, for the long haul till over 100, right? Okay. In fact, what was, sorry, since, since Brother Daniels uh, did go into the chapel, I'll mention the Beatles this morning. Uh, what was the song they had, Will You Still Need Me, Will You Still Feed Me, when I'm 64? That's an old, that was old. 64. They were worried about what's going to happen when they're 64. Now it's like 84. Will you? Okay, anyway, all right, let's get to the questions. Okay, so first off, just real easy this morning, uh, if you would just tell us uh, how long you've been married, if you have kids, grandkids, just give us a real quick summary here as everyone nudges each other. 
All right, my name's Kurt Daniels. This is my wife, Amy. We've been married 23 years this November the 11th. We have three kids. Uh, Mally is 20, Olivia is 15, and Hunter is 13. We have been together for 32 years. We have been married 30 years next Tuesday. And we have three children. Um, Angie is 39. Uh, Amber is 32, and Joshua is 29, and we have four beautiful, amazing, awesome, fabulous grandchildren. Well, I'm Cindy, and this is Carl. We've been married for seven years. We have two kids, Adeline and Kylie. Adeline's six, Kylie is four, and we have one on the way in April. I'm Jonathan, this is Rhonda, and we've been married, it will be six months, the 18th. <laughs> All right, so he's made it six months, remember the day there, that's good. So we have here uh, represented uh, some of the seasons, we've got early marriage, we've got small children, we've got teenagers, and then we have the wonderful grandkids here on the end. So um, in these transitions, going from you've got single to married, you've got from uh, married by yourself to small children, all the way up here. Um, when you think about transitioning in those stages, uh, what was some of the biggest uh, shocks, surprises as you transition to the stage that you're in now? So from kids to teenagers, from no kids to having kids, from being single uh, to having grandkids, which the, that's great, you just send them home, right? Uh, but what are some of the, the biggest uh, uh, surprises you had in those transitions, differences, if you would? It was as bad as you expected? <laughs> I could tell you what I missed the most. Is that all right? That's fine. Go okay. for it. What I missed the most is when, you know, you walk through the door and they say, Mommy and Daddy and things like that. I miss that, and like when they sit on your lap and you read a book to them and things like that. That's probably what I miss the most. Yeah. Those little, those little touches and the affectionate part of it. Yeah, that's probably what I miss. Okay. Because you walk through the door now, it's the appreciation. Yeah, the appreciation <laughs> part. Because when you walk through the door now, it's you could barely. They probably don't. Sometimes they don't even look up. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. things like that. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. I remember uh, with Amber, the first father-daughter date, she was four years old, and I took her out. And my wife, if she eats a steak, it's got to be burnt. You know, can't have no pink. But I like a little running out, you know. So <laughs> I took Amber out, and we went out, and I ordered a prime rib medium, rare medium. And she had to have a bite, and she took a bite of it. And then at the end, she said, Daddy, we're going to get some coffee. And I said, yeah, go ahead and order it. So she, she come around and she said, bring us two cups of black coffee. <laughs> so we walked home, got home, walked in the door, and she says, Mommy, me and Daddy had bloody steak and black coffee. <laughs> 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 that was a 
real good memory of Amber. And I guess the, the one I really miss the most is when I come home, she would meet me at the back door saying, me and Mommy went to town today. We went to Walmart. Mommy bought, spent so much money. And we went, she'd tell me everything that Mommy did all day long. And Becky'd think, well, would you quit, you know, trying to get her to tell you everything? And I never, ever asked her one time. So, and she still kind of does that today. Yeah. I miss their faces. I miss seeing them every day. Um, thank the Lord for technology and FaceTime. And, you know, sometimes you, you just want to hear their voice. You just want to see their face. Like you said, you just miss the little things, the, the hugs, the kisses, you know, those things. Um, but, you know, it, it is part of life, you know. From the other end down there, any thoughts? I just miss my kids being still tiny. Not that I have to worry about that come April, but <laughs> um, Kylie is still a cuddle bug. But Adeline, on the other hand, she does not want anything to do with that. And I know Adeline's getting older and she understands everything, but Adeline is my first baby and I love Adeline dearly. I mean, I love Kylie too, but, but Adeline is my first, and I, I just, I want that cuddle time with Adeline still, but Adeline doesn't want that. She is very much so independent. Yeah. Yeah. So, you have, what, what, that's, that's, <laughs> we're going to transition from that. Um, what we've talked about some of the things you miss, some of the things in that. What's been some of the good things about the transition? Grandchildren. That was easy here. <laughs> they ought to be first. <laughs> I think the good things are they become more. I mean, it's kind of a. I don't know, it's a double-edged sword. They, they like them to be dependent on them, but they become more independent, and they can do things for themselves. You don't have to, I mean, even though we still help them with their homework, they pretty much, they're past our level of intelligence. And <laughs> so they're getting into high school, and that's where I'm kind of, yeah. So um, I don't remember any of the stuff they've learned now, but um, they, uh, they become more independent. They can do things. Um, they think for themselves. They're becoming young adults. So... That, you know, even though that we want them to stay young, we see them growing up and, and becoming more independent. And I think that, that each stage, you just got to learn to appreciate each stage in their life. Well, we don't have kids, um, so we're kind of outnumbered here. <laughs> um, but one thing I really enjoy, um, well, being single, you know, we'd, I'd travel every week to go see her. Um, didn't have the week, you know to work or do whatever and then we just hang out on the weekend and stuff but now it's like every day's the weekend and we get to hang hang out together all the time so that's pretty cool every day's the weekend there we go that's good what about you guys on the end what what uh, thinking about the next stage how does that um what do you look forward to 
Carl, what do you look forward to? That, that is one thing, you know, as they get older, teaching them how to do things, uh, you know, and that's what I, you know, I mentioned to people that have young children, you're always, and Brother Kurt said it, enjoy the stage, you're always wanting them to talk, and then you're wanting them to walk, and you're wanting them to do all this stuff, and then when they start doing it, you're thinking, will they never stop, will they never be quiet, will they never, but teaching them some of those things, uh, you know, how to do things, that's all, as they get older. Um, so, and, and in thinking about this as well, uh, and looking forward uh, to the next stage. Is there anything that, that kind of uh, worries you or you're a little anxious about the next stage uh, of life? I think the thing that worries me the most is the way that the world is going. I mean, the society that you know you pray and you hope that, um, that uh, God has you've instilled the values in them, but you're not with them all the time. And I mean, it, the high school that I went to, we thought it was bad then, but it's just gotten exponentially worse. And they're, they're facing things that we never had to face. And I know that, that technology is great, and technology is, I mean, it's, it's good to be in contact with, but it has its downfalls too. And it's just the way the world is going, and we all know that God's coming soon just because of the way the world is going. So I think not being under our protection all the time, you know, right now, Kylie and Adeline, they, they have control of them. But when the kids get older and our kids age and they move out into the world, the things they face, I think that's what worries me the most. Uh, one thing that I kind of worried about, uh, prayed a lot about, both of us did, was them getting their right husband or wife. That was one of the most important things of our life. I, and we both, we have great son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. We couldn't ask for any better. I kind of remember back when Amber was, and I keep talking about Amber, but anyway. <laughs> when she was 14, you know, she kind of talked to me about dating and stuff, and I told her, I said, well, Honey, I said, when you're 16, you can double date, and when you're 18, well, maybe you can single date. And uh, so when she turned 16, she comes, she said, Daddy, you remember what you told me about double dating at 16? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember. But I didn't tell you the whole story. I said, now the rest of the story is that me and your mama is your double dating partner. True story. <laughs> really did pray a long time, um, probably time they were 10 years old on, who they would date and who that they would marry, you know, because we were raising them up to live for God and to serve God, and we wanted to make sure that they had the right mate and able to do that, and they do, and they are, and it is very true. There's nothing more better than seeing your children serve God and and even when they go crazy for a few years, um, they come back to God and work for God. That's, that's the most important thing in the world. That's right. That's good. Anyone else? I think, you know, when you're single, you have, you know, your whole schedule. And then you get married, and then your two schedules combine. 
um, I think, I guess, our next stage, years down the road, will be kids. Um, then you have yet another schedule, an even more demanding schedule um, to go with. Um, so that's kind of a concern that you have enough time for everybody. Um, and also, what Brother Kurt said, you know, this world is getting crazy. It's past crazy. Um, do you want to raise a kid in this, this situation? Um, and I know we have the Bible that says, you know, be fruitful, multiply, and raise them up the way they should go and all that stuff. But it's still kind of something you worry about, um, that you can be a better influence than what they can be. Um, so that's something to think about. Yeah. All right, let's uh, pull back out of the series for just a little bit and do a little bit more of the getting to know you here just real briefly. Uh, you don't have to tell us the engagement story and all this stuff, but just tell us how you met or if you've known each other for a long time, that moment when you actually met. You realize this might be the person. So uh, <laughs> Amy wants nothing to do with this. So just tell us about how you met. Um, I want to state this is a BC disclaimer. <laughs> we were not in church. I was not raised in church. I was raised in the bars. So I met my husband at the Colonial in Sandoval. Um, <laughs> Jesus. A friend of his and a friend of mine were seeing each other and they introduced us. Um, and then we dated a year, and then we got married a year later. All right. So playing golf, they met, all right? What else we got here? Amy and I went to Stummelville grade school together for two years, and I kind of just bugged her back then, teased her a little bit, but got into high school, kind of went our separate ways. Um, I had a girlfriend, she had a boyfriend all through high school, and then got down to college, I went to SIU Carbondale, and Amy stayed at Kaskaskia. We went, she, after two years, she transferred down to SIU, and so we met the fall year of my junior year. And we, neither one of us had a boyfriend or girlfriend, so we decided that we'd start dating, and we dated for three and a half years, and then we got married. All right, there we go. So grade school, all the way back to grade school and high school and college. All right. She told me the other day she was up here just to make sure I say the right things, that <laughs> she wasn't going to talk. <laughs> um, we actually have a mutual friend, Bethany Box, and she was talking to Rhonda about me and talking to me about Rhonda. And, um, we started talking on Facebook, because that was our only way to communicate, and then we met for the first time at convention. All right, at convention, there we go. On the end here. Me and Carl, we met online. We started talking in March of 2010. I was the one who started conversation with him. That's shocking. <laughs> we met each other in May of 2010, and we got married in August of 2010. All right, so we've got from the golf course all the way to the internet here represented everything in between. All right, so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit now <laughs> about um, uh, looking, if you could, looking back, start giving advice to people that are maybe, if you want to say, in the season below you, which Jonathan are on to the young adult classes down there, so uh, you can tell them. But 
looking kind of that way, what, what are some things uh, looking back that you realize were not as important as you thought? And then on the other side, what are some things that you, you realize were very important? Talking about raising your kids, talking about marriage, talking about how you live life. Some things that maybe you once thought were really important, but now as you've got older, you realize maybe that wasn't quite as important as I thought. And then the flip side, some things that you realize now were more important than even, not that you didn't do them, but maybe than you realized, if that's not too complicated of a question. So, so some things that you that weren't as important. Let's start there. Yeah, that you you did place importance on, but now as you're older, looking back, you realize maybe that wasn't so important. I was uh, raised. Uh, my mom never did work, and of course my dad did. So, uh, and I'm talking years ago and there wasn't a lot of money so I didn't get a lot of things as a kid uh, that kids get nowadays they get everything but I tried to work as much as I could make as much money as I could and give my kids every, everything and I missed a lot of time with them when they were younger and, and I think that is probably one of the biggest mistakes I that I ever made. If it's possible in that regard, because we've heard that a couple times today, uh, speaking to someone younger than yourself, how would, if you feel comfortable speaking to it, how would you help them figure out the balance? Because obviously quitting your job's not an option. You know, so the, the person who's younger that's in their career thinks I've got to make money, I've got to support my family, and then we always hear looking back, no one ever says, I wish I would have worked more overtime. Do you have any advice for maybe how to find that balance? Um, well, I thought everything they got, they had to have new. It could have got used. That would have, would have yep. even though I could have given them a lot, they could have been a lot cheaper. Uh, and I give them things that they really didn't need. <laughs> you know, you spend money if you got, you're gonna spend what you make. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you all that, you don't realize that yet. <laughs> but uh, you don't need to make as much as you think you need to make to have your kids be happy. Once, once they, you know, I'll give them gifts and they've opened them up and played with the box, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? Uh, and they could have done a lot with a lot of expensive gifts. They'd been happier with cheaper gifts, you know. So you don't have to really make as much money as you think. And the problem nowadays is, is just about both the woman and the man have to work if they want, if they want to buy much stuff. Things got so high. But uh, I think you know. Actually, once you grow, once they grow up, they realize also that they really want to you more than what you bought for. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe we place more important on the things that we think they should have than they place on them. That's good. That's good. 
Uh, anyone else on some of the things that you maybe thought were important, but then looking back now, you realize necessarily that wasn't so important? Well, probably, you know, everybody says the house will stay, you know, don't worry about the house, and that's true. You know, the house will be dirty later. I'm not saying let it be a slop mess. <laughs> you know, yeah, clean it at the time it needs to be clean and just leave it for later because there is going to be a time where you, they're not going to want you to read them a story or play Legos with them or little cars or let's go play a kickball game in the backyard. There's going to be a time where they, they don't want that anymore and it will stop. So it does stop. It does because I would die for that kickball game again. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> so. Uh, just kind of adding on to what he had to say, if I could, if, if I don't really have any regrets as far as what we've done. Um, I wish I had had, uh, you know, like he said, we need two incomes anymore to survive. But if I had a perfect world, Amy could have stayed home with the kids. I mean, it's just those two years, she took a year off with, Olivia, she took a year off school and took a year off with Hunter, and those were two of the best years of our life. It's a lot less stress-free on us. We don't, we don't have to help with the laundry because she's there all day doing the laundry and whatever. But I'm saying, if I, if I could add anything, I could change, and I'm happy to do it, help her out. But those years, she had all day long to do it, and those were the best years. And if I had any advice, say, don't work your life away. I mean. It's kind of working out well. I do some lawn work on the side, and Mallory helps me. So she's earning her money through me. I wouldn't give it to her anyways, but she's, now she has to earn it, and it helps me. At the, so that, does, that has helped out. But any advice, if there's any way that a young mom could stay home at all and raise the kids at a young age, that is, that's an awesome thing. Lay down on the other end. Any things that you thought were important? Now that you're married, you realize some of your things you thought were important aren't as important. And with small children, going from just the two of you to having kids. Anything? Got you got nothing? All right. Okay. And, and we may have kind of covered this. We'll, we'll kind of finish this up here. We may have covered this a little with that question, but... If you could speak to the people in the stage just below you, um, what would be, and again, we've heard some of it, what would be some of the advice that you would give to them looking back? Kindness. Um, a lot of times you have, David and I came from two extreme opposites of the spectrum as far as families. And... Um, being kind to one another, being, you know, sometimes you just treat strangers better than you do your own family. And that's a shame. And that's, if I could talk to someone younger and tell them, you know, even when you're aggravated at each other or, or you know, you got problems, treat each other with the respect that you would someone else. You know, please and thank you go a long way. You know, and um, I just, I think... You know, realizing that you are different, but being kind to one another and praying for your spouse is the most important thing you can do for your marriage. I read a, a book one time that 50 ways to change your husband. 
well, I was the one changed by the time the book was over. So pray for your spouse. Pray together. Pray for your children every night. They will remember that. I've, I've gotten phone calls in the middle of the night from my grown children saying, Mom, I miss you praying over us every night. I said, well, I still do. You just don't hear it. <laughs> so just, just be kind to one another. Even when you're having a disagreement, you know, don't, don't throw a jar of baby food at them or, you know, things like that. I've heard people have done that. Um, but just be kind. Be kind. One, one of the things, and young kids are not in here, but some of us older ones, I guess, could fall on that. But when you meet that one that you think you, first of all, want to love, I guess, you need to first pray to God about it and Second, you, you want to make sure that they love God. If they don't love God, then your marriage is starting out on the wrong end. Second, make sure they love their mama and their daddy and their pastor. And then go talk to your pastor before you fall in love. <laughs> That's very important. One of the things that me and my wife have done over the years and I'm sure you all don't argue, but when we did have a little disagreement, if one of us started to get mad, we'd get up and leave the room. We'd only let it go so far. And I think that's a big step in saving marriages. All right, we'll just go down the line here. I, I think that, I mean, it's something everyone, all of us know that at a certain, like we learned earlier this morning in spring stages and summer stages, you have a lot more time together alone and it's how important it is to build that relationship at those times because once kids come along, it's hard to be alone. I mean, you're, you're running, you're with them, but, you know, we're sitting at a ball game together or we're doing something where you really don't have that time for that one-on-one -on -one connection. And to build that at a young age, if I was talking to Jonathan and, and Rhonda, or, uh, I would say, you know, build that right now while you don't have kids. Get that relationship strong. Um, learn to love each other so that that communication, it, it's an unspoken communication when you get to the, the age of, you know, when your kids are getting older and you don't have as much time together. So enjoy the time that you have right now. Well, I have three things. <laughs> um, first off, if you're single and you're looking for somebody to marry, pray. Um, pray that God will send them to you and that you'll realize it. But also, after you do realize it, pray for confirmation. Um, I did that. It seemed like every day, you know, I go to the church, God, give me somebody who would tell me some confirmation. You know, and whether it was Lynn, she told me, um, she got right up in my face. She's like, the girl you're looking for is not in this church. Well, yeah, I, I know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or uh, we had the picture of the Taco Bell thing. Um, that was kind of a, a whimsical deal. Um, but, yes, pray for confirmation. Um, also, um, I asked a lot of people um, the year before getting married um, what their advice was. And I asked people um, who had been married for a long time, people who were um, kind of in the middle stages, I guess, the summer slash fall stages, and people who had 
been married for like six years, people who had just been married, every single one of them said communication is important. Every one of them. Um, and we found that out. You know, we're both kind of quiet people at home, but whenever we need to talk about something, we face-to-face -face talk to each other and communicate about it. And that is seriously important. Also, um, don't be afraid of counseling. Um, and it doesn't, counseling doesn't mean that you are a bad couple or that you have issues going on, but it just means that you're going to somebody who has experience that you don't have and you're taking advice from them. Which on that note, by the way, I know we got to finish here, but of pastors, older married couples, marriage counselors, and uh, just counselors in general, the best success rate, this is just general statistics, is an older married couple or your pastor is actually the best uh, success rates to fix a marriage. Uh, um, anyway, just thought I'd throw that in. Get spiritual counsel. That's the pastor's right over there. Pastor, wave your hand so everyone knows. There we go. That's Gary. All right, la last couple advice you would give. Don't sweat the small stuff. If your kid takes a Sharpie to your wall, you can paint over it. Yep. We've got lots of Sharpie on our walls in the girls' bedrooms. <laughs> or by Sharnies. They come off really easy. The fake Sharpies. <laughs> but, yeah. Don't sweat and, the small stuff. And you're, you and your husband are going to annoy each other at some point in time during your marriage. So just learn the annoyances early. <laughs> That's good. Carl, do you have anything to add to that? No, no. All right. Well, we appreciate all of you couples sharing with us this morning. Let's give them a big hand. We appreciate all of you. And uh, I've enjoyed these interviews these few weeks, and uh, uh, hopefully you've gleaned something from them. And uh, we're going to let you be dismissed. They're going to be sitting down. We'll let you guys be dismissed. We'll be starting service here in just a few minutes.